The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down our gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we are lucky to have a very special guest, Gordy Lockbaum, running back, cornerback, and kick returner for the Holy Cross Crusaders from 1984 to 1988. In 1986, Gordy Lockbaum finished fifth in Heisman balloting, and the next season, 1987, he finished third in Heisman balloting, an unprecedented achievement from a player from Division I AA. Gordy Lockdown set many Holy Cross records and was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2001. It is indeed an honor to have you on my podcast. How are you today, sir? Doing just wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for gracing my podcast. A first question I have for you is what, what brought you to Holy Cross? Well, uh, with most kids, um, you look at a school, uh, but you also the relationship that you build with the recruiting uh, coordinator or the, the local recruiter. Um, and in this case, uh, Mark Duffner was the recruiter for South Jersey, and he was just a very impactful person uh, on me. He, he immediately connected with my family um, and then a few of the other guys in South Jersey. So we were able to he was able to come down and, and grab four or five guys out of South Jersey, all of which became starters uh, at Holy Cross in their career. So it was Mark Duffner. Uh, and then once I learned a little bit more about Holy Cross and the academic reputation that they had um, and the experience that I had at my recruiting visit, uh, meeting the other players, uh, that all came together and, and made me decide on Holy Cross. Oh, fantastic. Sir, let's turn to your junior year. On offense, 827 rushing yards, 57 receptions for 860 yards, 22 touchdowns. On defense, 46 tackles, two fumble recoveries, one interception, and we're not done. On special teams, 21 kickoff returns, 452 yards. You finished that season fifth in Heisman balloting. What were the expectations going into the season? Well, um, we finished my sophomore year, 1985, at four, six, and one. We had a we had a great amount of talent. We had a wonderful team, um, but we just we stumbled. Um, we had a a young defensive backfield. Um, me being included in that group, and we struggled a little bit. We went four, six, and one. It was a very difficult season. So, graduating a lot of starters coming out of a four and six season, four, six and one season, uh, the spring was a very important time for us uh, football wise. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Coach Rick Carter committed suicide um, and he was our head coach and, and it really 
threw us in a, in a, in a tailspin that winter coming out of the recruiting season. Um, so we had a, we had a lot of changes uh, that were going to happen. Uh, we all needed to grow up and, and, and face something that we had never experienced before as players. Um, Mark Duffner took over as head coach and was hiring a few new coaches to um, supplement uh, some of the changes that were going on at the school. And uh, we went into the spring with a lot of question marks. Um, one of them being running back. We graduated Gil Fennerty, who was a, um, a professional football player, an excellent player, um, uh, a, a true running back. We were running the eye uh, and he, Coach Duffner brought in Tom Rossley, who was going to bring in the run and shoot. And we had to re kind of configure a lot of positions. Um, I was playing defensive back at the time. So that spring, uh, the opportunity for me to come over onto the offensive side uh, became open to me and I was all for it. So I, I jumped all over that opportunity. And most of the spring I was playing offense and defense, uh, trying to figure out where I would settle uh, next, uh, the following fall. Um, Lo and behold, um, we we decided uh, that towards the end of the spring and, and over the summer that I'd get myself in the best shape possible and come back and try to play both ways, and that's what we did. Wow. <laughs> Against Dartmouth that season, you scored six touchdowns. Can you take us through that game and then subsequently through that 1986 season? Yeah, the 86 season was, was, a, was an interesting, um, the way it unfolded. Uh, we went 10 and one, uh, our only loss being in the final game to Boston College. Um, but we came into that season again with a lot of question marks. And, uh, you know, we were flying by the seat of our pants. We were learning a new offense in terms of the run and shoot. Uh, we had a lot of younger guys, a lot of new starters, uh, new leadership at the captain, you know, level. Um, as I said, a new uh, coaching staff. Uh, so we had a lot of communication that we needed to, uh, you know, get on the same page. So we had some growing pains that season. Although we won our first ten games, you know, we beat our, uh, we beat Lehigh in the first game, uh, seventeen to fourteen, and it was a bit of a crapshoot. Uh, Jeff Wiley uh, was not our starter at that point, but he ended up taking over. Uh, throughout that game and then took over for the rest of the season. So our quarterback position was a little unsettled coming into the season. Um, as I said, I was playing both ways. Um, you know, we had a lot of talent and, and everybody was just kind of settling into their role. You know, the big win really for us that season came at Army in, in game six when we won 17 to 14 uh, down at Army uh, a week after they had beat Tennessee. So they were, they were a legitimate uh, team and, and and it was a big win for us and it just gave us a lot of momentum to go through the rest of our season but we had some tight ones we had you know we had to beat Colgate uh, we had to beat Bucknell in a pouring rainstorm and so that season was just one that really we were able to win but we did so by the skin of our teeth in in, in many cases uh, you know the sixth touchdown game against Dartmouth was something that just happens once in a while for any you know, athlete that you just get the ball at the right time and you're able to put it in the end zone. So um, I don't focus on that one too much. That season really was really marked by us playing uh, in the memory of coach Rick Carter, who we lost and playing um, uh, for each other uh, to help each other heal and, and uh, get back on track. And for the new coaching staff who just really, um, was just exciting. We did a lot of great things that season. Our defensive coordinator, Kevin 
Coyle. Um, you know, we had 32 interceptions. I mean, that's incredible for an 11 game season to, to get that many interceptions. But we, we flew around and, and we had a lot of good athletes and we made things happen that season. So 10 and one and uh, off to the Heisman for fifth place. So that was good. Warfield answer. Your mm. senior year, 1987, 403 rushing yards, 77 receptions, 1,152 yards, 2,041 uh, all-purpose all yards, and 22 touchdowns. You finished third in Heisman Validate, second in the Maxwell Award, unprecedented for a Division I AA player. Sir, take us through that season. Well, um, after going 10-1 and uh, and really feeling like we would had a chance to, to, to go and beat uh, or have BC come to us and, and, and beat them in our own park. We went up 14, nothing. Um, so that, that one loss was uh, to a formidable opponent, but coming out of a, a season like that, in, in many cases, you're graduating a lot of people. We had pretty much, we had a lot of people coming back. We didn't graduate that many seniors and, and the backups we had were really solid and, and were developing and the, the freshman class was developing. So we had a ton of depth and a ton of talent. So really our, our mindset was, we were going to go undefeated if we stayed focused, uh, concentrated on fundamentals and, and game planning each each and every week, uh, and then uh, performing out on the field. I, I think a lot of the um, type those type of teams that know that they're talented uh, need to stay healthy, but also uh, when you have that kind of depth, uh, starters need to keep their edge because you got guys chomping at your heels wanting to take your job. So, um, and we had that type of talent. So, um, you know, throughout the season, we were able to just click on all cylinders. I mean, we, you know, we scored probably 500 points and didn't let up much more than a hundred or so, but it was that type of season, 11 and 0. Uh, we beat army in the opener. Um, and I don't think, I think army kicked a field goal to, to go up three, nothing. And I think we didn't, weren't behind the rest of the season. I think we might Colgate blocked a punt and I think was tied with us at one point, but I think we were ahead pretty much every game, the rest of the season, uh, including the, the, the finale um, at Villanova on a Thursday night, which everybody's so used to playing during the week, but that was kind of a new thing to play on a Thursday night on ESPN uh, was really exciting and, and quite a, quite an event for our school and for, our fans and, and for us as players, it was pretty exciting. Incredible. If I may ask, sir, how is it that you were so successful that season and the season before? How did you do it? Well, um, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't apologize for having, you know, God given talent. Um, you know, I, I was, I was blessed with, with talent and with a competitive nature. Um, you know, I have holes in my, my game too. I mean, I'm not the fastest guy. I'm not the biggest guy and, but I can see the field pretty well. And I, I, I grew up in a, in a town that emphasized sports. Sports were really important in Glassboro, New Jersey. And I'm so proud of that town to have grown up there because I had great opportunities. I had good coaching. I had good competition. I had good practice partners um, and teammates, which I think gets overlooked sometimes. Um, so I had all those things that, that lined up and then I chose a school like Holy Cross and, and had the type of mentorship there and, and coaching there and the opportunity to, uh, play both ways, which, um, 
nobody was doing that. Nobody had done it since Leroy Keys in like the 60s. I mean, it just hadn't been done. But um, I was able to get myself in shape. I was able to stay healthy. Um, and then again, just be coached by a, a group of men that just saw something in me to, to give me the opportunity to make plays. And, you know, you earn those opportunities at practice by being consistent and, and delivering. And, and then when you can do it in the game, um, they're going to keep giving you the ball and, and give, getting you, getting you opportunities. How did the players and coaches and fans around you at Holy Cross react to your achievements and particularly the two runs for the Heisman? That's a great question. And I, I appreciate you asking that because, you know, it's uh, one of our, my teammates is getting into the Holy Cross hall of fame uh, in, in a few weeks. And, and he, he feels kind of, you know, bad or embarrassed to, to be pointed out and, and um, getting that honor. And, you know, as a lineman, um, we don't honor these guys enough. I mean, we appreciate them as, as backs and, and quarterbacks and receivers for, for sure, but they don't get a ton of um, recognition because it's very, they, they don't generate stats. Um, so he was apologetic about it, but, you know, one of the things it made me think, you know, I, I got a lot of accolades and a lot of things that were a result of things that we did as a team. And, um, you know, there's, there's really a, an opportunity to have some resentment there amongst teammates. But the way I recall it and the way I think most of my teammates would tell you is, is that even if people were there to watch Gordy, whether it was a uh, recruiter for an NFL team, um, you know, a scout, or whether it was uh, newspapers uh, coming in to do feature articles or interviews, they looked at it as an opportunity to shine and say, you know what, they can be here to watch Gordy, but they're going to see me. And uh, a lot of guys had opportunities in the NFL and actually played. A lot of guys had um, uh, national recognition in terms of all conference, all, all Americans, um, got to play in, in um, the bowl games, the, the senior bowl and, and some others. Um, so it created an opportunity. So there was very little resentment, not to mention that a lot of football players, they're big guys. And uh, if they want to keep me humble, they did because they could, you know, they could push me aside, you know, they, they, get, they could corner me in the dorm or, or something and give me the business. And uh, we had a lot of fun with that. But, um, you know, they, they, I think that that's really the, the way they looked at it. They looked at it as a challenge and I uh, say, hey, you know, go ahead, come look at Gordy, but you're going to see me. And uh, a lot of guys really performed uh, well in that environment. What a fantastic answer. Sir, what is your life like these days? Well, it's, uh, I'm getting old. <laughs> so, you know, these days I have, uh, I have a wife and, and children. Um, my oldest is 33, um, who played football in, at Amherst College and is now a, um, a research PhD. Um, he's a smarty, smarty pants, we call him, but um, it's a fun fact. He played in the Little League World Series in 2002. They, they lost to Louisville uh, in the finals and Louisville went on to beat Japan. It was an amazing run. So that's his little fun fact. And I got a daughter who's 25. Um, she graduated from McGill and University up in Canada, which was a tremendous experience for her and for me as a, as a parent to go up and down from, uh, from Massachusetts. And then I have a younger uh, son uh, who's 17, who is uh, 
finishing up high school down in Florida and he's playing football down, down there. And um, so I'll be, I'll be traveling back and forth from Massachusetts to uh, Florida a lot this fall to see him play football. So uh, I still have a business in Massachusetts. Uh, my business partners are fabulous. I have some flexibility to, to, to wander back and forth, but um, that's my life. I'm an insurance broker, uh, commercial uh, insurance mainly, but it's been, I've been doing that for 32 years since football ended. Fabulous. Fabulous. Are you game for a few fun questions? Yes. If it's about college football, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, sir. If you could have been on the sidelines reporting for any one game in the history of college football, what game would that have been? I think the game that pops out for me that must have been just absolutely electric was the Notre Dame Miami game uh, when they were both undefeated. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think that was 88 or so, but the cons versus the Catholics or something like that. And it's just, uh, it was a great game and they were undefeated teams and there was a lot of, a lot of hype that went into that one. And uh, I, I just got to believe the sideline must have been absolutely nuts who is your favorite player in college football history my favorite player in in college football obviously um there there are many um you know i grew up uh watching penn state and notre dame so just um i'd watch sunday i'd watch the highlights they had the abbreviated version where they just show the whole game in like half an hour and i'd watch those games and just loved Penn State and Notre Dame and dreamt of going there. But I think the guy that I, I think is just the best player in college football history is Barry Sanders. I, I just what he did that season. Uh, he was a backup the year before. Now, now, obviously, he was quite capable, but they had Thurman Thomas. So, you know, you understand you got to let Thurman in, in, in all due respect, finish it out. But um, Barry Sanders was something that season. was. I think if you count the bowl game, I think. He rushed for like over 3,000 yards and 40-something touchdowns. I mean, he, he was insane. <laughs> what was the most <clears throat> memorable play in college football history? I, I mean, memorable, is, it, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're important plays. Um, you know, one of the ones that stands out is, is probably Vince Young that ended the Texas game where they beat USC. That was – that was a pretty exciting uh, play, but I guess, um, you know, for two reasons, the Cal Stanford ending with the Fumbaruski, um, that one just is just iconic, you know, and just, you know, running into the band and running through the band and everybody just chaos, you know, everything like that. But the, 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 the small uh, uh, bit of, uh, you know, history that, 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 touched me later was that Richard Rogers, number five, who touched the ball twice, uh, ended up coaching at Holy Cross. And his son uh, went to St. John's High School locally, and then went on to Cal and then, you know, to the NFL. Um, so he touched the ball twice on that one, the dad did, and then to, to see the son play locally in Massachusetts, and a real quality guys, uh, you know, him and Richard, junior and, and senior just are just fabulous people and um, so that that play stands out to me for that reason what a great answer what was the greatest game in college football history uh well uh, you know again everybody has their own perspective but for me one of the one of the great ones that that I really enjoyed was um 
I enjoyed the the Penn State uh, Miami game in '86. Uh, well, it's the '85 season, but the the national championship. Um, again, growing up in South Jersey, we're Penn State fans, and um, you know they had a huge impact on 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 that our area. But um, just I like Penn State, and, and they just the way they fought that season. They won a lot of tough games, and then. Uh, to, to beat Miami. I hate to keep beating up on Miami here, but <laughs> the, 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 odd, the, the ironic thing is if, if, you know, Miami had that so many, a run for so long, I mean, them and Florida state and some of these teams are just incredible, but in that case, they took it on the chin and just the way that that game went back and forth and then Penn state ended up, uh, you know, winning it. And then, but it was a great run because I think Penn state wasn't even, you know, they weren't even a top five team early in the season. I think they just earned their way up and had some tight wins. And then winning that game in the finals was uh, pretty important. Absolutely. Biggest upset. Oh, God. Uh, biggest upset. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, that's, I mean, again, I, it, it's probably Appalachian State uh, beating Michigan. That was probably one of the big, big ones at the time. Uh, you know, some of these teams, I'll tell you, though, I, some of these teams have some pretty good depth and some pretty good talent nowadays. And I think kids are, you know, trying to get not all, but uh, with this transfer portal thing, that's a whole separate show that you're, I'm sure you'll probably talk about at some point, but um, some kids are really understand that they need to be at the right place. Um, not just uh, at the biggest school or the most prestigious school, uh, you got you to be able to really look in the mirror, get properly evaluated, go to the right spot, be with the right guys, have to get the right education that, that suits you. And some are not real interested and some are very interested. So, um, you know, those are the type of things that, you know, we have to keep in mind. Absolutely. Greatest team in college football history. Holy Cross, 1987. <laughs> Eleven and zero. I am biased, but that was the best team, and I had the best experience. And my teammates, I can't wait to see them every fall. And some of the guys that we played with, and uh, it's great to reminisce. But you know, I I just uh, up close when you when you have a good group of players and coaches, and the expectations are high when people deliver. Um, we had our we had our bumps and bruises throughout that season. Uh, that will always stay, you know, internal, but, and, and again, nothing, you know, nothing crazy, but just, we had challenges throughout that season, but the way people stuck together, um, the way we all supported one another and, uh, you know, and the pressure uh, of, of trying to win each and every week and then having the, the nation kind of looking uh, at us um, was very exciting. So I give that team a lot of credit and um, a lot of accolades. I, I hear you. So I hear you. Well, I want to thank you, Gordy Lockbaugh. You have been a phenomenal guest. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.